0: Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15-20 to minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Wednesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, Literally Heather. Um I don't often share local news but I thought this was an interesting story In Fort Wayne, Indiana, the United States United States I'm struggling this morning you guys. Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division has fined Fort Wayne-based dairy queen operator H&H Coldwater $42,572 for child labor violations. They operate 11 Dairy Queen franchises in Indiana and Michigan, and officials say that 102 minors, ages 14 to 15, were working in violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act regarding working hours and time standards. Um, And that happened in Fort Wayne, Indianapolis, Bluffton, Decatur, and Sturgis, Michigan. The statement provided by the Wage and Hour Division District Director Patricia Lewis said, quote, Franchisees like H&H Coldwater provide teen workers an opportunity to learn customer services and other skills that prepare them for successful careers, but as employers, they have an obligation to ensure child labor laws are followed. Child labor laws protect teens' health and ensure their first job experiences are positive and manageable with schooling and other commitments, The FLSA prohibits 14- and 15-year-old employees from working later than 9 p.m. from June 1st through Labor Day, past 7 p.m. for the remainder of the year. Also, they cannot work more than three hours on a school day, eight hours on a non-school day, or more than 18 hours per week. I remember growing up working in my dad's greenhouses, grueling Long hours that started before the sun came up and ended when the sun went down. The time spent in the mum fields and the greenhouses shaped my work ethic, gave me a foundation of responsibility and accountability. When I want something, no one will ever outwork me. And I credit that drive and ambition to the water lines on a black tarp. The reason I chose this topic is because I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Um, As we see more families struggling financially in the near future with outrageous levels of inflation, more teenagers are going to get jobs to help out around home. If parents like mine are okay with their children working longer and give consent for them to do so, do you think the government should have the right to punish private business owners who do receive that consent? Should the government be able to set parameters for age and number of hours. Let me know in the comments what you think about this because I'm genuinely curious and I'll discuss this probably on uh, Liberty Happy Hour on Friday. The Pacific Legal Foundation filed a lawsuit yesterday against the Department of Education over its new student loan cancellation policy, becoming the first organization to challenge the Biden administration's move to forgive up to $20,000 in student debt per borrower. The federal lawsuit filed in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Indiana contends that Biden's decision to cancel student loan debt for some borrowers is illegal because Congress, which holds the power of the purse, did not approve it. PLF attorney Caleb Krugenberg said in a statement, it's flagrantly illegal for the executive branch to create a $500 billion program by release without statutory authority or even the basic notice and comment procedure for new regulations. The Students' Heroes Act of 2003 is being used as a justification to cancel the student loans. That law says that the Education Department may waive or modify statutes or provisions related to student financial assistance programs during war or national emergencies, with the COVID-19 pandemic being a justification for debt cancellation. The PLF lawsuit says the cancellation policy is illegal under the HEROES Act because it is A, not necessary, and nor is it targeted at any harms caused by the national emergency. The organization's lawsuit is filed on behalf of Plaintiff Frank Garrison who is a public interest lawyer with the PLF, who's paying off his federal student loans through the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. Garrison says he's set to pay off his debt in roughly four years, but as a Pell Grant recipient, he would have his debt wiped out under Biden's order. If that happens, he would face a state income liability tax of around $1,000, which He would not have to pay if Biden didn't cancel his debt. Indiana has a provision that treats debt cancellation as income and thus taxes it. The spokesperson for the Department of Education said that no one will be forced to cancel their student loan debt. Anyone who does not want debt relief can choose to opt out. The PLF has sought an injunction Halting the cancellation policy from going into effect, and a judgment preventing any further action to cancel student loan debt. Loan cancellation is unjust to those who have paid their loans or never took any out in the first place. They will make Americans more divided, as those who did pay their loans or never went to college will have a good reason to think that we no longer have a government of, by, and for the people. On Friday, U.S. District Judge Mary Ellen Naraika issued a temporary injunction against a Delaware law banning the manufacture and possession of homemade untraceable guns, a.k.a. spooky ghost guns. The law passed by the state legislature and signed by the Democratic Governor John Carney last year was swiftly challenged by gun rights groups who argued that the regulation violates the Second Amendment. Norica's injunction means that the law cannot be enforced until the lawsuit is settled. In August, new regulations from the Biden administration requiring serial numbers and background checks for buy-build-shoot kits went into effect. As The Trace reported this month, dealers have already found ways to skirt the new rule. Because the government shouldn't be trying to regulate firearms because the Second Amendment is an unalienable right, and those rules and the NFA shouldn't exist in the first place, and so they deserve to be skirted. As Europe heads into winter and the throes of an energy crisis, offices are getting chillier. Statues in historic buildings are going dark. Bakers, who can't afford to heat their ovens, are talking about giving up, while fruit and vegetable growers face letting greenhouses stand idle. I have a solution. You could remove the ban on Russian oil and buy that shit at a premium. But, alas, politics. Um, In poor Eastern Europe, people are stocking up on firewood while in wealthier Germany. The wait for an energy-saving heat pump can take half a year. And businesses don't know how much more they can cut back. The restaurants already run the grills no more than necessary and use motion detectors to turn off the lights, with some stores facing a 750% increase in electricity bills since the beginning of the year. With costs so high and energy supplies so tight, Europe is rolling out relief programs and plans to shake up electricity and natural gas markets as it prepares for rising energy use this winter. The question is Will it be enough to avoid government imposed rationing and rolling blackouts after Russia cut back natural gas needed to heat homes, run factories, and generate electricity to a tenth of what it was before invading Ukraine? Ukraine, gosh. Europe's dependence on Russian energy has turned the war into an energy and economic crisis with prices rising to record highs in recent months and fluctuating wildly. This reminds me of the Russian memes going around the internet uh, where people have their gas stoves on captioned with with love from Russia. Um, Governments have worked hard to find new supplies and conserve energy with gas storage facilities at 86% full ahead of the winter heating season, The goal had been 80% by November. They have committed to lower gas use by 15%, which means things like the Eiffel Eiffel Tower will be closed um, an hour early, or uh, shops, buildings at night, lower thermostats, lights off, that kind of stuff. Europe's ability to get through the winter is going to depend on how cold it gets and what happens in China. Shutdowns in China aimed at halting the spread of COVID have idled large parts of their economy and meant less competition for scarce energy supplies. It's funny because as people are preparing for severe increases in costs, limitations and shortages, you have German Chancellor Olaf Scholz saying that they're now in a position in which Europe's biggest economy can go bravely and courageously into this winter, in which our country will withstand this. Um, Even if there is gas this winter, high prices are already pushing people and businesses to use less and forcing some energy-intensive factories to close. It's unfortunate. Speaking of Russia, yesterday was the final day of voting in the Russian referendums. The votes were seen as rigged and illegitimate. Aren't they always? But are likely to pave the way for Russia to announce that it has annexed more territory. There have been multiple reports of votes that are being staged and coercion and aggression being used to force people living in Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine to vote in favor of joining Russia. Electoral officials have gone door-to-door with portable ballot boxes from last Friday until yesterday. Polling stations um, were only open yesterday with uh, officials citing security reasons. In other news, Russia has again instead said, insisted that it, ha- God, man, has a right to use nuclear weapons if its territory is threatened. And several suspicious uh, leaks have hit the Nord Stream pipelines, with experts not ruling out sabotage. European officials, meanwhile, are investigating unexplained leaks affecting both Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines that bring natural gas from Russia to Europe via the Baltic Sea. Both Europe and Russia have said that sabotage cannot be ruled out as the cause of damage, but the finger of blame is being pointed at Moscow. Of course it is. Which is yet to directly respond to the accusations. Notably, Poland's former minister of national defense and foreign minister posted a photograph of the Nord Stream leaks with the caption, quote, thank you, USA. So, um, I, I... I don't really understand the sabotage situation because Europe needs the oil and gas. So that doesn't make sense for them to destroy the pipeline and Russia needs to sell it, you know, thinking that eventually this will all be over with. Why would they destroy their own pipeline when they could just turn it off? Right. Like they can say, oh, it's maintenance again and we're going to turn this off. I'm not. I don't understand what the incentive is for either party to do this, unless it is, in fact, an outside party who has a vested interest. Straight out of the Shawshank Redemption playbook, authorities were searching Tuesday for a 42-year-old convicted bomb maker who escaped from a Nevada prison where he was serving a life sentence for a 2007 explosion outside of a Las Vegas strip resort. Uh, Governor Sisleyak ordered an investigation into the incident after he said late Tuesday that his office learned of the escapee being missing from the medium security prison since early in the weekend. Officials didn't realize until Tuesday morning. His name is Porfirio Duarte Herrera. Um, He was missing during a headcount at Southern Desert Correctional Center near Las Vegas, and a State Department correction statement said search teams are looking for him. Duarte Herrera from Nicaragua was convicted in 2010 of killing a hot dog stand vendor using a motion-activated bomb in a coffee cup on a car parked at the Luxor Hotel Casino. Prosecutors say that jealousy was the motive for the attack on the top deck of a two story parking structure. The blast initially raised fears of a terrorist attack on the strip. Officials described him as five feet four inches tall, 135 pounds, with brown eyes and brown hair. Sisleyak said his office ordered corrections officials to, quote, conduct and complete a thorough investigation into this event as quickly as possible. This kind of security lapse cannot be permitted, and those responsible will be held responsible. No details or specifics have been released yet with regards to how he was able to escape. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I guess you kill a hot dog stand vendor with a bomb, and then you're escaping prison. It's crazy. This is like made-for-movie, made-for-TV type stuff. Okay, last thing. Uh, House Democrats introduced a long-awaited bill on Tuesday. I have not read the bill all the way through yet, but I do intend to, um, that seeks to ban members of Congress, federal judges, Supreme Court justices, the president, and others from trading stocks in an attempt to crack down on conflicts of interest throughout the government. The 26-page bill, titled the Combating Financial Conflicts of Interest in Government Act, would ban a slew of government officials from trading or owning investments in securities, commodities, futures, cryptocurrency, or other digital assets. Those covered by the legislation include members of Congress, their spouses, dependent children, uh, senior congressional staffers, the president, vice president, political appointees, judicial officers, including Supreme Court justices and various judges, members of the Federal Reserve System's Board of Governors, and the President or Vice President of a Federal Reserve Bank. Individuals subject to the ban would be required to divest their holdings or place them into a qualified blind trust. The measure, however, does not pertain to investments in diversified mutual funds, U.S. Treasury bills, state or municipal government bills, notes or bonds, and investment funds held as part of federal, state, or local government employee retirement plan, among other types of widely held diversified and publicly traded investment funds. The House Administration Committee released the text of the bill yesterday. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, of all people, um, in February directed Zoe Lofgren uh, to draft a bill, Nancy has made her millions, though. She's okay with limiting anyone else now, um, which I, I do support this, actually. I've, uh, anyway, the push to ban lawmakers from trading stocks has gained steam on Capitol Hill amid reports that members have violated laws meant to prevent conflicts of interest involving financial transactions. I promise you, it gained steam in society much longer time ago, and we are pleased to see you catching up. In September, the New York Times published an extensive report that said that 97 lawmakers or their family members traded financial assets in the past three years that could be considered conflicts of interest. Pelosi, whose husband Paul Pelosi is a venture capitalist, was at first against the idea of a ban on lawmaker stock trading, but ultimately endorsed the push in February. A bipartisan group of House lawmakers put the topic back in the news earlier this month when it penned a letter to leadership asking for a, b- a vote on a bill reforming lawmaker stock trading. Earlier this month, Pelosi said such a bill would likely come to the floor this month, but time is running out. The House reconvenes on Wednesday for the final three days of legislative business before the midterm elections. House lawmakers are scheduled to leave Washington on Friday and are not slated to return until after November. Even if there is enough time to bring the bill to the floor, it is unclear that it has the votes to pass. Um, It was reported earlier on Tuesday that House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, who's out of Maryland, um, he sets the schedule in the lower chamber and he expressed opposition to the the ban on lawmaker stock trading. His spokesperson said that he hasn't seen the final will reserve uh, his decision at that time. A group of senators have also been working on separate legislation to ban stock trading, lawmaker stock trading. The bill introduced on Tuesday also increases penalties for violating the provisions of the measure. Covered individuals who violate trading or ownership restrictions would be subject to a $1,000 fine. If the violation continues for more than 30 days, they would be subject to an additional $1,000 fine plus an amount equal to 10% of the value of the covered investment that is the subject of violation at the beginning of the 30-day period. The same goes for those who fail to file their financial reports on time. Tardy individuals would face a $500 fee up from $200. And for every additional 30 days, they would have to pay another $500 fine plus 10% of the value of the transactions that should, have been, should be included in the report. Uh, the measure gives the Attorney General authority to bring civil action against covered individuals who knowingly and willfully make transactions or hold a prohibited investment that is in violation of the bill. I don't know that I support a full-on ban, Um, I do support that you should not be able to have investments in the same things your respective committees are voting on. You cannot act in the interest of your portfolio over the interest of your constituents. That is Wednesday's edition of Everything Yesterday this morning. We have uh, Liberty Library on Twitter Spaces Live this evening. You guys are welcome to join us. We're reading uh, the next four chapters of 1984 by George Orwell. This has been a long episode today, but I wanted to get all of this in. I thought this was pretty important. You guys take care. Have a great Wednesday, and I'll see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out ShouseInTheHouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.